This is our fourth and final session on 2 Timothy 2, 1 to 7. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, speaking to Timothy as his son in the faith. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Now, we've focused in the first session on thinking in relationship to the Lord's giving. We focused in the second session on how grace is in Christ and strengthens kind of strength. What is it strengthened for? We focused in the third session on this work of Paul's entrusting to faithful men or telling Timothy to be about the business of entrusting to faithful men what um, he has taught them. And we, at the end of that session, drew attention to the fact that this is going to involve suffering, which is why we need supernatural strength. And now you'd think maybe the argument is over right here, but it isn't. What he's going to do here is give us three kinds of suffering, three ways to think of ourselves in hardship and give an implicit exhortation and an implicit promise for each of those. So let's identify the three kinds first. First, soldier. Second, athlete. Third, farmer. So when he says, endure suffering as a good soldier, he could have stopped right here, right? But he didn't. It seems he wants to show not only is there a soldier kind of hardship as you involve yourself in ministry, trying to transmit truth to others, but there's an athlete kind of hardship, and there's a farmer kind of hardship. So that's what I see is three kinds of challenge or obstacle or difficulty or restraint or suffering. or um, You get the idea. Second, in each of those three illustrations, I'm arguing that there is also an implicit exhortation that's built in to what a soldier is, what an athlete is, and what a farmer is. So what's the soldier? Uh, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. In fact, why don't I do this? This just simplifies matters. This is just verses 4 through 6, so we can put um, soldier, athlete, and farmer each on a different line and be easier to draw. So now I'm saying, what's the implicit exhortation? The soldier, no soldier, gets entangled in civilian pursuits. 
What word could we use to describe that? I'm going to try to put in my own words what that is. I'm going to call it single-mindedness. So the exhortation implicit in soldiering on through suffering is keep your focus. Put that bit focus, maybe. Focus. Single-mindedness. Don't dribble away your lives in, in a dozen things. Focus on what really matters in this task of entrusting to others. What's the implicit exhortation for the athlete? not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So here's a marathoner, and he's running. What we call this? I'm going to call it integrity. Because if he gets to the end of the race, and there's a man uh, 100 yards before him, in front of him, and he sees, oh, there's a little shortcut, and nobody's watching me. I could just cut across the grass here, and uh, I'll be right behind him, and he would never know the difference. That's lack of integrity. That's cheating. And Paul says, athletes don't get crowned if they do that. So the, ins- the, the exhortation is be single-minded and focused and have integrity. And then the, what's the exhortation for the farmer? It is hardworking. Work hard. Okay? Farmers work hard Athletes keep the rules and have integrity. Soldiers have single-minded devotion in their fighting. Those are the three pictures and three exhortations. Now, what about the promise? I said there was a promise with each one. What's the promise made to soldiers who stay single-minded? They please the one who enlisted him in few things make us more glad than when our superiors approve of our faithfulness. Like Jesus saying, well done, good and faithful servant. What about the athlete? What's the promise to the athlete? He's going to be crowned. This is the victor's wreath at the end of the marathon. What about the farmer? What does he get? He will have the first share of the crops. So that's the structure that I see is an identification of the kind of suffering, soldier, athlete, farmer, a particular exhortation regarding what's demanded of soldiers, single-mindedness and focus, what's demanded of an athlete, don't leave the track, don't cheat, don't lose your integrity. You're going to lose the crown if you lose your integrity. And farmers, get out there and work hard because your harvest depends on it. And the promises are, please the master, receive the victor's wreath, and eat the fruit of your labor. Now, what's the function of the promises in relationship to the obedience. And wouldn't you agree that promises are given? You want, you're going to please your master. You're going to get the crown. You're going to eat the crops. Those are incentives, aren't they? Or those are incentives. They are motivators. They are encouragers. Press on. Don't give up. Which, which relates them then to grace, right? Be strengthened 
for this entrusting and this suffering by grace, which is in Christ Jesus, which raises the theological question of how grace, which was secured for us in Christ, relates to these three promises. And my, the promise to be pleasing to the Lord, the promise to get the crown, the promise to share in the crops. And my answer is, these are promises of grace. If you, if you left out the concept of grace, if you left out grace, you might fall into thinking, okay, I'm going to soldier up and I'm going to be single-minded and earn my right to please the Lord. I'm going to earn my crown. I'm going to earn the crops. I deserve them because I did the work here. How would that fit with grace? No, the strength that we have to do that we get from grace is not different from the strength that comes through these promises because the promises are blood-bought, gracious gifts of God. If we please God, it will be God's grace. If we get the crown, it will be God's grace. If we share in the crops, it will be God's grace. So how should we summarize the whole? I put it in six statements, and you can look at the text and see them all. First, we go to Jesus Christ in faith. Everything is in Christ Jesus. Second, we receive in Christ blood-bought grace in the form of secure promises that you'll be pleasing to Christ, gain the victor's wreath, enjoy the fruit of your labor. All of that is in this grace. The grace that is in Christ Jesus are the promises here. Third, be strengthened by that grace. There is soul strength that comes through trusting these promises. Fourth, transmit precious biblical truth to others in that strength. Be about the business of your part. You're not an apostle. You're not Timothy. But every one of us, whether pastor or layperson, has some role in the transmission of the deposit from one generation to the next. Precious biblical truth has been given to us. We pass it along to others in strength that comes by grace from Christ Jesus. Fifth, do that transmitting as you fight with single-mindedness. Do that transmitting as you run with integrity. Do that transmitting as you work with diligence. These are ways that we do the transmitting. And number six, never be daunted by the price, the suffering. Because to be a soldier... To be an athlete, to be a farmer, is to endure hardship. That's the point here. Take your share of suffering as a good shoulder soldier. Take your share of suffering as a hard run, a, a running athlete. Take your share of suffering as a hardworking farmer and be strengthened for that suffering in grace through promises. Oh, may God make us good 
and trusters of precious biblical truth to everyone.